Interviewer, the podcast where we talk about everything virtual reality. I am your host, Chris Miranda, and happy Chinese New Year to all of you out there that are celebrating it. Um, today is a special day because I am interviewing um, Fernando Tarnogol, if, if I am correct. That's right. Thank you. And uh, you are with SciTech Technologies. Um, t- tell me about yourself really quickly. What do you, wh- you know, what is what is SciTech? First of all, let's get that going. Um, well, SciTech is a software company. Uh, we develop virtual reality and mobile applications. Um, our our mission is to provide, you know, uh, affordable uh, products so the individual, even you know, the individual professional or, or um, mental health organizations, uh, educational institutions could have, you know, a platform where which which they can work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, well, that's what we are set out to. Nice, and, and so you're so you're creating software for individuals, professionals, and and, cor- and corporations, businesses as well. Uh, yeah, it's not our primary uh, population, mm-hmm. uh, but we, we are thinking about options uh, of of doing some some uh, things for the corporate um, side, such as you know um, managers have have to you know present products or they have to attend a meeting with. Um, high-level executives, and well, you know, we, we've been thinking of, uh, of doing things such as, you know, um, virtual reality simulations where you could, you know, be, uh, be standing in front of a crowd or and presenting your product or, or delivering, you know, your quarterly uh, results, or even if you are in one of these meetings, you know, so you can provide training to, to uh, people in, in this type of, uh, of environments. Very interesting. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, our main target right now is uh, mental health. That's where I'm coming from. I'm a psychologist, um, so we want uh, to tackle issues that affect a great deal of the population. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I decided to develop Amber it's because anxiety disorders and phobias are a real problem that affects 80% of the adult population in the USA alone. Wow. Uh, this issue even goes up in other Western countries. Um, so um, we are hoping that you know uh, professionals uh, could work uh, with with our with our tool to complement what they are doing right now. What we intend is you know not to um, make you learn new techniques, new protocols, new theories. Um, we are supporting cognitive behavioral uh, pro- uh, therapy protocols uh, from the get go. Our idea is that you get your toolkit wherever you come with. And just apply this in your office. Interesting. So, so this is so this is for anxiety, phobias. Uh, you know what? What other psychological or, or mental um, you know, complexities do you are, are you able to, to work with 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 virtual reality? Uh, not at this time because of a couple of reasons. The first one uh, is that uh, like. We don't have the means to support such a big endeavor. We want to focus on one thing and get it done right. Nice. Uh, we know that there could be, you know, uh, missteps along the way. We're ready for that. We're expecting that. Uh, but we want to focus on 
first on the relatively simple things and relatively, uh, I mean, simple in, you know, just putting in quotes. Uh, the reason why we're first targeting specific phobias or uh, social phobias is because out of them all, uh, those are some of the most well understood and at the same time, the, the treatment protocols are clear. And for instance, let's say that you, you as a baby uh, fell from a from first floor, you survived, but you as a child, I mean, not a baby, but mm -hmm. uh, you ended up with trauma. And then, well, then if you're afraid of heights right now, then the thing is that 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 is mainly coming from something that happened to you, something specific and has something to do with your very own history, uh, with with, uh, it's something like not just cognitive, but there's a lot of emotion in there. Mm -hmm. And that's more difficult to tackle. So we're focusing on things that uh, cater to our biological side, uh, to put in some, in, in some form. Uh, for instance, um, we as humans are not built genetically and evolutionary uh, to be standing 100 meters above the ground, not even you know, needless to say, flying. Mm -hmm. So our systems are not genetically predispositioned to handle those situations correctly. Mm -hmm. So with this, like this is something that we can address. Um, if you mix emotions in there and trauma, the whole thing gets a lot more complicated. Mm -hmm. And right now we don't have the resources to, to, to work off on, to work there. But it's definitely something that we would love to explore down the line. Before we go further in exploring in exploring this subject of the psychology and, and virtual reality, tell me about yourself. How did you wind up uh, working in this in this field? How did you know what what what's your journey like? Uh, well, um, it all starts twenty years ago. Uh, uh, I I went to a video arcade and right there uh, I saw a simulator, virtual reality simulator. Uh, it was a virtuality system. And it was uh, it was uh, a similar later of um, first world world war plane, mm -hmm. and my brother and I hopped on. I was like 12 years old, uh, and my brother hopped on back seat. We were shooting planes all around us, and I, I was just thrilled. Uh, I wanted that like there and now. I wanted you know in my living room. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, then we went back home, and obviously uh, we had a Sega Genesis. Uh, we're far from there. So, uh, and this is something that probably if my parents uh, um, listen to the podcast will find out now, I guess they were suspecting, with my brother, like every other day we would go pick on their, on their purse to see if there was like a, a dollar bill or something like that, just pick it up, and like really, really slowly we got to buy this Victor Max headset which was just, well, it, it wasn't a virtual headset. It was just uh, a, a pair of small LCD screens where, with a resolution that killed you, and, well, uh, it was a fiasco. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> that's where it all started. Um, of course, I had to put my, my hopes to rest, and, well, uh, if, if you're in this business, as you know, you know, the Oculus Rift just changed everything and just changed it. So, 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 so you find out about the Oculus Rift, and, and I mean, 
what was it about the rift that made you think this is it this is this is it's it's v it's vr it's coming you know what was it about it that for you clicked uh well uh, it was a lot of a lot of things actually uh first thing is that it was it, it's supposed to to be affordable you're shooting for around a 300 dollar price range so that's something every, every single person could have in their, their living rooms it's you know the first the Oculus Rift it was first intended as a as a games device and now I think the guys at Oculus have realized that uh there's a whole world beyond games and there's a lot of people and there's a lot of money interested mm-hmm. in what you can do with virtual reality. And if you can put that in the hands of, of everyone, just like we have smartphones right now, well, well it, that's game-changing technology. And um, I, up until now, I've been following, you know, different type, types of headsets uh, uh, and there's nothing even close to the Oculus Rift in that price range. So it was a no-brainer. Like I, I had this idea in my in my mind. I had it for like uh, quite a long time, and I've been preparing myself um, for this for for the past say four or five years. So I just had to to be in. Definitely. So 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 you so did you build AMVR? Did were you you know did you use Unity or what was it? How did you? I mean, do, are you working with others uh, in your company or, or is it just you? How? Yeah, how no, did? No. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not a developer. Uh, I have very basic coding skills. I can read code. I'm not a pro, uh, but I can definitely not program. Hmm. Uh, we have a um, a team of developers uh, that are working with us. Uh, so it's around six people. Um, there's one person who's also you know taking care of of of, of the look and feel of the company and you know the graphical side of things. And then uh, we have one more person, Eileen, who's uh, helping us uh, with uh, community building and communication. Uh, but that that's how we're set up at the moment. What's your what's your ultimate goal? What's your ultimate vision for uh, SciTech? Uh, well, I, I would like to, you know, uh, I, to be honest with you, uh, I know at this point I'm not planning like ten years in advance, not even five. Uh, that doesn't mean that. I, I'm not actually planning, but what I mean is I'm, I'm leaving a lot of open doors, and every possible door that I find, I leave it open. Uh, because as Palmer Lockheed la- likes to say, this is day zero. Uh, yeah. And I think it's too early to make a judgment and say, like, you know, this is my ceiling, this is what I want to get. And I think that the moment to do that when would be when we fully realize what the scope and, and reach of, of the VR movement uh achieves uh like let's say that in one or two years we would have a lot more clear picture of of how this technology will change things uh so at this point i don't think that thinking you know specifically in long-term goals uh helps our cause Um, as i mentioned before uh we're focusing on a very limited set of things with what we're Thinking to do right now, there's a lot of other things that we would like to do with Amber, yeah. but we don't want to get into feature creep because that delays uh, development times, uh, delivery dates, 
And we don't want to, you know, be overcomplicated. We want to, you know, get a proof of concept done, present it to the community when we launch our uh, uh, crowdfunding campaign. And after we get the feedback with what we already have planned, we will take what the community says mm -hmm. and what, you know, the, the people we are consulting with say, and then we'll improve the hardware and the software on that. Uh, so that's basically the plan. Um, we don't really believe in business plans. They, the, the norm for business plans is to derail. So we're taking a slightly, well, a completely different approach, actually. Um, we just uh, foresee possible scenarios, uh, try to identify the blockades, uh, act upon them, and then when the time comes, if we hit one of those scenarios, we'll be prepared. I don't know if that answers the question. That does, and it, and it does in a way that I was not expecting, and I like that because, yeah, you know, I, I was sort of expecting, you, you know, yeah, so this is what we're, you know, we want to be this, we want to, that, that's, that's, I like, I like how you're leaving everything, I, I, because I like how you're leaving door, a lot of doors open, because especially, and you're right, there's no way of telling what VR is going to become two years from now, three years from now, let alone a year from now, so... That's that's a that's a smart approach you're you're bringing you're putting on the table there. Um, are you are you worried at, at all that if that this approach might might backfire or is are things working out you know pretty good so far? Uh, no, so so far so good. Nice, very nice. I, I, you were saying? Uh, no, sorry, you were saying? Oh um, no. Um... What was the question again? I got lost. No worries. Yeah. So, so, so far this approach is working. So far, so good, right? Ah, uh, yes, yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, we've had some, you know, minor issues, but it's because the technology is it, it's so new. Uh, mm -hmm. like latency issues that we like to solve to get the experience mm -hmm. right. Uh, perspective um, issues. You know that you need the the person who's in the virtual world mm -hmm. to feel present. And if, if things are too big or too out of scale, it, it, it kills emergence. So those little things, we're learning as we go, as everyone else at the moment in the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but it, it's a fun ride, a absolutely. And if anything goes downhill, we'll enjoy the ride, ride as well. Uh, it will just be a balance. Yeah, no, it's you're right. That's true. Everybody, you know, whether you want to admit it or not, if you're paying attention to virtual reality right now, you're riding a roller coaster. We're all riding this roller coaster, and and hang on tight because we have no idea. I, I, in fact, I think that this roller coaster, you know how roller coasters, they have they have that first climb. We're we're not even, you know, we're not even climbing yet. It's not even, it's it's barely even getting started. It's like you said, day zero. So tentatively, if I let's say I have um, a slight uh, fear of heights. Uh, and, and I want, and you know, in the future, I want to you know, use virtual reality to help me get rid of it and help me work it out. How, you know, how could that happen tentatively? Will, will I, will I go to a store, an app store? Will I, do I have to get a doctor's prescription? What do you think uh, will be the, the pathways for, for me to get, you know, for me to treat myself? Uh, well, at least initially, uh, Amber uh, is not intended for the use of the, say, general population. Mm -hmm. Like, Amber is a tool for professionals rather than a means for people to treat themselves. Oh, okay. Uh, 
there's still like lots of research to be made in this area before we even attempt to try something like this. Like we we take the job the job very seriously. We we're dealing with health here, and um, of course, if you're slightly uh, afraid of heights, um, a virtual reality simulation won't cause you any major problems. Uh, just like if you don't like horror movies, a horror movie will not traumatize you for life. Uh, but in, in, we would love to get there. We would like to, like to have you know, a program where you can step in, it guides you, it treats you. But uh, virtual reality in the, in, in the psychological scene uh, has had very, a lot of difficulties to, to get out of the lab, uh, mostly because of the associated costs of acquiring the technology. Um, so most of, most of what's been done has been in, in those settings. I haven't heard of any studies at the moment that are doing this, like having people treat themselves with the program. Um, I think we are still too green to even think about that. There's also a lot of ethical connotations um, and professional connotations. Um, so we, we don't want to take risks until we're really sure of what we're doing here. As I said before, uh, it's people's health. And we take it seriously. Very nice. So, so, so then, so I take it then it would be so the SciTech software would be used in conjunction with a a a, a person who is a professional assisting me, walking me through the experience. I mean, essentially, SciTech is not something that I would just download off of you know the Steam Steam the Steam Store. It wouldn't. It would just. Be, it would be something that. You know, I'll have to seek out, uh, you know, I'll go to my therapist, psychiatrist, and he'll be like, you know what, your, your fear of heights is, is you know, I, I, I'm sure there's something I can give you that doesn't involve pills. Um, and, yeah. and, and I mean, because yeah. that's that's the thing that, I mean, what is the current, uh, sorry, and what is the what is the current protocols to treat people right now? And, and, and why do you think virtual reality is better or, or can provide something of value? Okay, uh, so yeah, let me go step by step. Sure. Um, uh, to answer to your first question, um, we obviously can't forbid people from downloading the software, so we're not going to run a background check uh, to make sure you're a, you're a professional or you're an, um, an institution or organization. Uh, or people could also pirate the software, and that's beyond our control. Uh, we've been thinking about ways of doing this, like saying, okay, so the therapist has the client application and the client or the patient, depending where you are in the world, uh, has like a, a another client where they could log into the platform and use it for homework, where there would be some constraints set by the therapist saying like, okay, so this is your exercise, this is what you can do, and whatever you do, you cannot exceed those boundaries because it's going to be ingrained in the software. So, uh, yeah, like a therapist-client architecture or way of doing things, it's something that we are considering. But at this point, we just want to, to get a baseline to get the, the software right, and then we'll think of, on, you know, adding uh, that, that type of functionality. Mm -hmm. And then answering your second question, like why virtual reality versus any other type of treatment, um, it's... 
Because uh, research so far has proved that virtual reality-based treatments are sometimes equally and in some cases more effective than traditional uh, types of therapy. Like the, the most, two most common ones are in vivo exposure, which is exposing the person to the real stimuli. Uh, like let's say that uh, you are afraid of flying and you're also afraid of the airport, in vivo exposure, means therapists would go with you to the airport or with, we would start in the office, then go to the airport. And if you have the means, then we would both jump on a plane, go through the experience. And the other type is imaginary exposure, which is thinking about the anxiety generates ready situation. Let's say that you're afraid of heights and I'm like, okay, Chris, close your eyes. Imagine that you are right outside of a tower. You look up at the tower, it has like 40, 40 stories. Um, so answering the question with virtual reality, um, the person doesn't have to be exposed to the real stressor, which is usually a barrier to enter treatment. Um, it acts like a, a medium between the actual real experience and being, you know, in a, in a market. Virtual real, reality sits there in the middle. Also, costs are an order of magnitude lower. Uh, think uh, the example we, we just discussed, like uh, in vivo therapy for fear of flying. Um, if you can do that from the comfort of your office, eh, then that would simplify a lot of things a lot. Um, another thing is that you can disengage immediately from the situation should this become intolerable. intolerable. Um, it's discreet because you don't have to be walking around with your therapist. Uh, they can be done within the private space of the, of the professional office, you know, instead of going out to public spaces. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to imagine the situation. You're right there in it. Mm -hmm. And lastly, the environment and conditions can be structured and tailored uh, to each individual case. So if you're doing individual um, exposure, uh, well, you are exposed to the rules that rules up. Uh, the daily, daily life. Yeah. Uh, here, you can structure everything. Uh, any variable you could think of, you can structure it and define it. And, and so, and um, so, go ahead. Sorry. I don't know. Um, and I don't know. It was, what I was clear with, with the response, or if I went off the beaten path. No, that was good. And, and so, and so, do you? And and so, what is it about virtual reality? I mean, what is it about about VR that 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 tricks the brain into 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 thinking that you? I mean, I imagine that it's used for therapy because you know, especially for these situational sort of circumstances where you're you're on a plane and they'll and so in VR is you know you'll be inside a plane. I mean, I, I'm I'm noticing that it like you. Uh, you don't need a, a, an ultra HD high def, you know, screen on the on the on the device. So, I mean, and I, yeah, it's so fascinating. And and mind you, the graphics in these in these simulators, and and I've seen a little bit of a Stanford's research in in psychology in, inside of VR, and I and I've seen some of their like their their demos and their. And their uh, the graphics inside the simulators look look oh, horrible. And somehow somehow they they get good data. Somehow people are still uh, are still responding to it. Uh, how how is this? What is happening inside the brain? Do you have any information as to? I mean, yes, there have been um, very interesting recent studies 
Uh, we've posted a, a couple of them in our face, uh, on our Facebook page mm-hmm. uh, a couple of weeks ago. And one of them relates to, you know, the parts of your brain that activate uh, when you are in a virtual reality simulation. And the results, uh, in a nutshell, are that even though your brain activates in a similar way in virtual reality and in real life, like both regions of brain activate at the same time, uh, in virtual reality, uh, the trigger rate is like 40%, between 40 and 60% of what is in real life. Uh, meaning that if it takes to brain oh, process... Oh, sorry, then, sorry, sorry, Fernando. One sec. Sorry. I'm sorry. Hello. Hey, Antonio. Yeah, I'll come up in uh, thirty minutes. Okay, I have an interview. I'll be right there. Okay, sorry. I'll be right back. Thanks. Sorry, sorry, Fernando. Let's keep going, sir. Sorry. I will edit that out. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'll read another bit then. Yes. Okay, uh, so where was I? So we were talking about uh, the, the parts of the brain that are being activated inside in, in, oh, while you were inside virtual reality. Uh, so in virtual reality versus the real world, like between 40 and 60% of the areas in the brain that activate in real life activate in virtual reality. So if you had to put it in some way, then in a scale from zero to one, virtual reality would, for the brain, would be in the midpoint. The brain will not completely believe its reality, but at the same time, it won't interpret it as an hallucination or, you know, something that is not reality. So we live in that, you know, boundary uh, when it takes to virtual reality. Um, There's also some studies, very recent studies and also um, research done by companies such as Valve, I bet you're, you're familiar with it, mm-hmm. uh, which starts to help um, the brain process uh, visual inputs. And, you know, uh, the, the time the pixel is displayed, is it displayed in front of your eyes or, uh, you know, the, if that pixel lights right next to the next one or if there's a blank space between the two of them light up, that helps you, you know, build an image that is that for the brain looks like what real life is in terms of information entering your visual cortex. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, you know, uh, other senses are also involved. As you know, you know the synesthetic uh, um, uh, sense, yeah. uh, which is the one that you know coordinates our equilibrium. Uh, has a lot to do here. Uh, when you move your head and you, you tilt it to the left, uh, then your sense interprets that you're tilting your head. If your eyes, inf- the information that is coming through your eyes are compatible with that, then the two systems associate and that will enhance the sense of presence. Uh, so when those things are off is then when you get, you know, uh, motion sickness or then when the illusion of reality is broken uh, so it's it's very interesting it's something that's developing right now we're starting to see you know the, the, the internal chemistry of our brains mm-hmm. just a week ago scientists discovered uh, not discovered but were able to see and film how molecules of ribonucleic acid travel through the dendrites of the brain to form memories. Whoa. So right now we, like in the past five years, we've acquired 
the technology, the, the first type of technology that will enable us to, to map the brain in ways that we haven't imagined yet. And I think that for, for VR, that, that line of research will shed a lot of possible results. Yes, for sure. So, so the so you mentioned earlier that the that the brain knows the brain knows that you're not you're not in another reality. You're not in you're not you're not in re, in real reality. Whatever I just said, and, and and you're somewhere in the middle. Is that a factor of of the of the hardware, or or is it a factor of you know what I'm saying is is it possible? Will it ever be possible uh, where the hardware will get to a point where you will forget that you. I mean, will will it be possible to really trick the brain into believing that you are not in in reality? And and maybe I mean maybe it could be done through uh, the avant glyph. Maybe it's not it, through you know looking at at through at at screens. It might be you know having two million micro mirrors shoot shoot light into the back of your retina. I, I mean. What do you do? You think it's possible? Do you think it, in our lifetime might be possible to to trick the brain into completely dis dis disconnecting <laughs> from this reality we're in? <laughs> well, I'm an optimist, Chris, and I would say yes. Um, and because just because I don't like your answer, uh, and it's too, just too limiting, and. If you think what we've been able to achieve in the past 20 years, think about our insurance system and what we have now, yeah. uh, we haven't advanced that much. But if you look at the surrounding technologies that are arising and you start you know, putting pieces together, you see that there are a lot of different technologies that will integrate into what we call virtual reality today. Uh, our virtual reality experience nowadays are quite limited. Like we have, in, in the best cases, some degree of you know uh, of touch uh, of the sense of touch, mm -hmm. the haptics, um, motion tracking. We're getting there. We can see from what from other risk development that that's one of the big hurdles that they're trying to overcome. Um, then full body tracking, uh, we're still not completely there yet. But I think that in 10 years' time, um, we, will, we will have, like, virtual reality will have matured uh, in a way where you could achieve something comparable to what you're positing right now. Mm -hmm. But I think that we'll need some other technologies that enable, you know, direct interfacing with the brain in order to, to achieve that, full, you know, cyber picture that you just uh, painted. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's something that we could achieve within the next within the century if we don't blow ourselves up. Yeah, just because we we could achieve it, do you think? Do you think? I mean, now philosophically speaking, do you think we 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 should? Uh, do you think there there will be value in in that ability to dis? I mean, literally, what I'm thinking about is disconnecting you from reality, and all of a sudden, I am somewhere else. I am not here. Um. Do you, do you think just because we we could we should we should? Uh, well, we've been through this couple of times mm. already. Uh, um, you know, it, it happens every time there's a disrupted technology in the arena. Um, it happened with the TV. Uh, it happened with uh, the internet. 
with people saying we're all going to become a addicts, mm-hmm. well, we won't be able to unhook. Well, it's kind of like, like a reality right now, but it's different. Like, uh, we are just connected. It's not that we are all addicted to, to smartphones or the internet. Uh, it's it's a, a statistically low number of cases when compared to the total, total population. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's going to be people that use it, and there will be people that misuse it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like with everything else, uh, go get an over-the-counter uh, pill. Uh, if you take one, it's going to be okay. If you take, you know, like five blisters, it's going to do something to you. Yeah. Uh, same with this. Um, I don't think that we should, you know, halt or put a, you know, uh, a limit to what we can develop. Um, because, like, there will always be exceptions. There will always be backfiring, but I think that the way is curiosity, you know, just plugging forward. Yeah. yeah, it, it's true. I, I no, I agree. I think I think it's it's a progress. It, it's a progression that I don't think anyone can stop. Uh, I, I was pe- speaking with Servios earlier, and, and they were talking about like you know, the Pandora's box has been opened. You, you know, the genie's out of the bottle. You, we you can't you can't reverse reverse VR back. It's it's out now. Um, it's 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 only it's not known, you know, by the whole wide world yet, but it will be. I think. And so it's just fascinating to me because, you know, here we are at the intersection of, of psychology, business, society, gaming. All these things are intersecting um, it, it, through this particular technology. And, and, the, and it seems like it's going to be, you know, we're, we're in for a world of infinite possibilities. It, it's just for me, it, I'm a bit uh cautious and 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 careful about being overly optimistic because just what you said people are going to misuse it um both on the consumers and and creators i i think that you know it, it's quite possible that something this powerful because here's the thing i think that science and and technology is is moral and ethic ethically neutral science does gives Give zero fucks about our our morals and ethics. The same bomb that was, you know, the same atom that can be used to create unlimited energy for humanity for the rest of our existence can be used to be dropped on human beings. And and so in that same vein, the same technology that can be used in virtual reality to achieve a higher, you know, way of thinking through VR can also be used to... I don't know. Maybe maybe distract us, uh, enslave us, make keep us in contempt. Um, my my dream, my vision is for virtual reality to to become a, an, a way to enhance our our reality. Um, and so, in, in in essence, I am I'm worried about the Matrix. That's like that's that's one of the things that I'm kind of worried about. Like, yeah, I, I this is awesome. I just, you know, and I'm I'm going to be out I'm I'm going to be out there like, you know, telling people let's not turn it into the matrix because you know, or should we? What do you think? I I I, I what do you what do you what do you think this is going to become? Um, well, I think that we should take it like like a step by step thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if we let ourselves carried away, yeah, we could say like, hell, Matrix for everyone. You know, let's just fly into a better world. Let's yeah. take this. Uh, but the thing is that at this point, 
we don't know how how our mindset will be you know wired in 20 30 or 40 years um, the way we think now after a disruptive technology changes we may not notice it ourselves but it does like uh, that's how some people nowadays say like I don't know how I used to live without a GPS. I don't know how I used to live without a phone. I don't know, like, what did I do if I didn't know the, the question to something? And right now, it's like an, it's an extension. Yes. And except for, you know, big sci-fi authors, uh, the common folk would never, you know, imagine that in 10 or 20 years' time, they would be using, like, almost, you know, a, a millimeter-thick things to access the knowledge of the world. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that this, this technology can transform the, the world in, in such a way uh, that in a couple of years, we, we, we're going to be like, yeah, remember how we used to think back then when? Um, so that, that's how I like to think. I, I, I'd like to, you know, savor it, every step of it. I, I don't want to jump ahead of things. Of course, we got to keep an eye on it because we got to know where we're going yeah. and where things are going so we can surf the wave. Uh, but, um, uh, what can I say? Carpe diem. <laughs> <laughs> I love your attitude, especially, especially thinking about that, what you said earlier, like, you're right. I can't, I can't remember. I, well, I can, I just remember life be without GPS and then life without smartphones was really different. It was really, really different. It feels like, it feels like we cross a threshold when, once the iPhone uh, started taking off and in smart and you know and touch screens and and tablets and all like I feel like we are in a different era you know um so so you're right it's true my my way of thinking is completely different now than it was before this you know these technologies were introduced and I was one of the people I was one of those people uh, I remember saying I would never get an iPhone you know, people, I really did say that. I can't believe I did. I said, I used to, I used to be like the CEO of BlackBerry. He, the CEO of BlackBerry came out saying when the iPhone came out, oh, it's never going to take off. He's like, people like buttons. You know, buttons are never going to go away. And here, here we are now. So. Right. Yeah, it's a paradigm changer. Yeah. It, it is. VR is a, a paradigm changer. And so we're talking about... A, a, here's the the pain that you guys are are tackling. You're tackling a pain uh, in the in in society where you're saying 80% of adults in in United States suffer from uh, a, a, a more or less from a mental uh, psychological issues uh, to some extent some extent or the other. I know I do. You know I I, I think it, you know and 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 those who who say they're completely healthy. I think. You know, might be. I don't think everybody is a hundred percent healthy mentally. Like, like psychologically, we. It's like your human. It's like your human body. I have scars from when I was twelve. I, you know, it's. I think the brain develops psychological scars, and 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 I don't know if they ever heal, but they. But you know, you keep going. My point is, in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of things, do you think virtual reality will will help? I mean, will help society eventually? I mean, 80% of people going through, you know, going through some bullshit. That is, that that is something that, you know, it, it pains me to think that that's 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 normal. That should be okay. What do you think? Well, um, we wouldn't be here if we didn't believe uh, we could help 
you know, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people going through, you know, uh, panic attacks, uh, having all different kind of phobias, or having, you know, not being able to even leave their bathrooms or their homes uh, because they're, you know, too anxious to get outside. And uh, this could be a, a door, uh, you know, a door to, to, to get the treatment that they deserve and they, they cannot afford because it, it takes, takes a toll in, in, in their energy. Uh, you just, you, you know, when, when you suffer from anxiety or when you're depressed, like, you just can't. There, there's no reason that you think at that moment that there, there's no reason that could take you out of it, there, you know, you don't want to get out of your place, and down the line, a couple of years, say that you hook up to your VR headset, uh, you you ring uh, your therapist, same way, you know, you some, call someone on Skype, he's there in his office with this uh, VR headset, and he's treating you right there on your couch. Uh, so, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, I think that that's a that's a very, very possible possibility. Yeah, I that's a, that wow. That from a user experience perspective, that's a, that's amazing. You're right. I I could put on my VR headset. I'll be sitting on my couch. I'll be on the uh, you know, and on next thing you know it, I'll close my eyes and next th- I'll have my my therapist next to me, and he will have control of of what I see, you know, or he'll walk me through experiences. That's like, da ha. I like that. I like that. Now you don't have to. Now we don't have. Because the the thing, the question that I was going to ask you is, logistically speaking, if if we're trying to help eighty percent of the population, you're going to need a lot of therapists. And so perhaps that that idea, that solution of of having you know a, a virtual therapist, someone on the other side of the world, or or, or someone who knows where, uh, being able to be at many places at once, doing many things, helping as many people as possible anywhere in the world. I, Huh, I haven't thought of that's really that that really could work. Thank, thank you, Wilder. Like the, the, there's a system called the body system. It's used for for some types of disorders. Mm-hmm. Imagine a couple of years if you just you know you're in amber, you're in the city walking around, but you can't tolerate the, those type of environments. So someone else could be an, an anonymous person that is having the, the same issues you are having mm-hmm. is matched by the system to you, and then you have a body with whom you, who experiences the same things you do, uh, who can relate to you, and you're right there, you know, fighting your fears. Uh, the possibilities are endless. Uh, every morning I wake up and I have a different idea, and as I said before, uh, the problem is that I, we can't get into feature creep because it would take us forever to develop it, mm-hmm. uh, but the sky's the limit here. Yes, indeed. What is and speaking of limits, to your knowledge, and and again, I understand this. It is day zero after all. Um, what are the limits of of virtual reality um, for for psychological treatment, for example? Um, do you think we one day will be able to uh, get rid of uh, you know school shooters, mall shooters, mass shooters, people people who are you know planning on on committing mass murder, like? You know, is that is that something that can be helped with with virtual reality, or 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 is this, or are we, you know, trying to bite on more than we can chew here? Um, yeah, I think the latter. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, <laughs> um, I I don't know. I've never thought about it, but 
there could be ways to support therapies, but I don't think that virtual reality reality should be the medium uh, to treat that kind of things yeah. uh, or others. Like, of course, anyone is free to explore those avenues and you know, see if it works. Uh, but I think that virtual reality is just a very small piece of the pie. It's just a tool that you have in your office, mm-hmm. uh, and you you treat people with anxiety disorders, you treat people with bipolar disorder, uh, you treat you know regular neurotics, um, but you also have you know virtual reality treatments for um, some specific cases. It's just one more tool you know, in your in your toolbox. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's too early to say, you know, uh, we got a weapon that can tackle every possible uh, mental ailment that there's out there. Um, psychology is a very, very uh, big tree with a lot of branches, a lot of leaves, and there, there are some, there are a lot of very good tools in, in the box, big box of psychology. So limiting to just, you know, one, one avenue or one technology. I don't think it would be the, the best approach. Interesting. Speaking of, of psychology, Ed, and this is something I, I, I wonder about a lot, uh, in terms of the long-term uh, psychological impacts of, of virtual reality, I mean, again, day zero, too early to tell, um, but down the line, five years from now, do you, do you think virtual reality will have an impact in the way we think, uh, in the way we interact with each other? Um uh, perhaps you know, and what I'm talking about is is the virtual re- the virtual avatar. This 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 all of a sudden. So I'm Chris Miranda here in real world, and then I have a an avatar in in VR. Um, I am fascinated with the psychology behind that. That you know, all of a sudden we can be someone else in this virtual world. Um, but 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 at the same time, I think about like you know, what is happening inside the brain? It, you know, am I be- you know what is what what mental processes are are, are happening in this and and is it is and is it and is it shaping it diff, in in a way that is uh, unexpected? Do you have any insight into this? Um, no, I'm not an expert on it, so I would like I, I would like you know to just talk about something I'm not completely sure about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I I wouldn't risk an answer about that. I'm not that literate in that area. Okay, very nice. Uh, I I like how you uh, uh, tangoed on that one. That nice. Uh, all right. So, SciTech is for anxiety and, and and phobias. Do you think it could span to uh, different aspects of of behavioral psychology, or or do you think it's uh it, it's gonna stick with with helping people with anxiety and phobias? I mean, uh, again, you know, assuming you know what the future holds. I ask a lot of future questions, just so you know. <laughs> well, when it's creeping in right now, trying to get it over here. Uh, well, uh, no, we would definitely love to expand, you know, onto on other areas, uh, and that's that's something that we will certainly go for down the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, we would like, you know, to just stay. Stay focused on this, yeah. and when, once we get it right, we'll start thinking about you know the the other paths that we would start taking. As I mentioned before, psychology is a very vast field, 
and you have, you know, uh, labor psychology, educational psychology, institutional psychology, clinical psychology, and well, we are a psychological company, and we would like to do a lot of R&D in psychology and technologies that could support it. Uh, so yes, we will be expanding, you know, our line of work down the line, but right now, uh, limited structure, limited resources. Uh, we want to get it right the first time, or the second, or the third time. You'll get it right. <laughs> right. Yep. And then we'll move on. Nice. Very interesting. Do you think the field of psychology is is uh, again? You mentioned it's a huge it's a huge tree with many branches. Do you think that the field of psychology is ready for this new tool? Do you think that there's going to be some fight back, of, you know, from from old guard ways of of thinking and ways of using the tools? Uh, for 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 you know for VR to try to get in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, yes. Um, depending on which part of the world, I think that in the U.S., uh, cognitive behavioral therapy uh, is a very big thing, and most professionals lie with it or around it. Um, if you think about countries such as France or Argentina. Uh, Places that have the, the ratios one psychologist per hundred people. Um, these countries um, have a penetration uh, from psychoanalysis of around eighty-five to ninety percent. So it's very ingrained. It's very uh, rooted in the in, in the minds of people. Uh, like for instance, in Argentina, people go to their therapists. Just like the living things. One sec, just sorry. Another activity that they, they have. Um, so, um, and psychology is very conservative. Uh, it, it's very big and it's very slow in its movement. So, there could be, you know, some, some backlash yeah. from, from those areas. Um, but, there's also going to be a lot of support, and as people start, you know, trying the technology and experimenting it, and once people start experiencing it, and you know, telling other people about the experience, I think that there's a lot of support to, to be gained in, in that area as well. Nice. So, so yeah, that's. It seems like it seems like the it, it's primed to take off, and especially I think in the U.S. Um, so so we'll see. That's interesting. What is what is how big is the market for for sort of uh, using tools uh, in psychology? Do you, is there is there a sizable market for this? Um, that's an excellent question. Um, I think that it's that we should treat the market as it as if it's non-existent. Mm -hmm. uh, and in this. Same way, I think that there's, there's a lot of evangelization that has to be done. Um, it's not known. You know, virtual reality is not ubiquitous. It's not known by everyone. Mm -hmm. Like, if you talk to your friends, maybe uh, one out of ten could have heard about it. A two out of ten. Yeah. And if you are around 40, 50, 60, you know, the number go, goes even down. And there are a lot of professionals that fall within this age range. Uh, and they're not aware that something like this exists, or they may think, you know what, that's too futuristic for me, I, I can barely type emails, or do you expect me to hook people up in virtual reality? Well, what is 
today's another reality. Like, what are you talking to me about? Uh, so, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of word spreading uh, to, to be done. Yeah. And, um, and, and let me tell you, as people find out about it, as people get more, you know, uh, interested in it, um, they start inquiring and they start asking and they become excited. Uh, people have been emailing us with questions or intrigued about who are we targeting, uh, what types of, uh, of symptoms are, are we, you know, um, working with or, you know, what kind of system they need to make. We're doing a lot, a lot of tech support too. Uh, you know, uh, psychologists that have a laptop in their systems in their offices saying like, hey, look, I got this. What do I need to run this? So that's something we have to think about as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned this earlier, like you've seen a, a similar um, platform and you thought that the graphics were very crude. Mm-hmm. So we have to strike a balance there because we know that our average uh, independent professional doesn't have a gaming laptop in the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we need to think about that person, because if you're asking someone to make a $300 investment in a HMD and possibly 250 more bucks in Sixes stand uh, to get motion tracking, then I don't expect the person to go for an extra $700 or $600 to get a new PC. So we, we have to keep those people in mind when we design. We don't want our graphics, animations, or the quality of our assets to be crude, but we can aim for, you know, for for high-end systems. Mm-hmm. So we, we know that the bulk of the people that would be using Amber uh, are people that don't have a gaming laptop. Mm-hmm. I mean, a gaming uh, PC. Right. Do you are you uh, anticipating that the uh, the rise of smartphones and uh, and and the rise of, of faster processors will enable us uh, to discouple VR from from the PC and, and just use Android as as the operating system? Are you is is it possible to to transfer over uh, Amber to uh, to to Android right now? Do you think it's possible? Uh, not right now because. First of all, we want to try and see how people respond to, to the whole thing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with all the bells and whistles. Uh, and then we will think about scaling, but not at this time. Like, as I said before, if we go to, uh, down the road of the homework application, mm-hmm. yeah, could be a possibility. And with smartphones, it's only a matter of time uh, before they could support decent uh, uh, virtual reality. So, yeah, we will be keeping an eye on the on the mobile area. Hmm. What is what is the holy grail of psychology? I mean, just fundamentally speaking, like, you know, we don't have to put VR in this. What is what is it that psychology, what is the ultimate tool that, you know, as a psychologist, you, you, you would, you know, you would consider magic? You know, is it is it a, a like a, a device that that shoots electrical signals to the brain to kind of like, you know, Caesar Milan, the, the dog whisperer. Uh, now, I'm. I'm so, uh, the dog whisperer, his technique is, you know, so the dog whisperer for those for people who aren't in the U.S., 
the dog whisperer is this guy who goes around people's houses and you know they, they have these problem dogs and, and and usually it's the owners who have problems and the dogs sort of just takes in that energy and they become problem dogs and they bring in caesar milan and caesar milan has this really cool technique that the second it's the second where the dog starts acting up he like he like grabs them and goes Shh, right so so what i'm thinking is i mean <laughs> it, the moment the system detects that i am having oh my god i'm, I'm starting the panic like electrical signal like i'll get electrocuted and it'll make me stop <laughs> that was a horrible horrible example but is there a holy grail to psychology are people re are people in the in the field researching you know trying to go forward figuring out what it what is the ultimate tool that that you guys need at in the future well, uh, the question is the same if you ask a, ask a psychology what psychology is. You get one different answer for each psychologist that you ask. <laughs> and it's the same with this. Like, the Holy Grail psychology, I would say it's whatever each one of us is researching. You know, uh, for, uh, for some people, maybe one thing, for another people, maybe another thing. Uh, for me, the ultimate question is like, what is our consciousness? Uh, you know, where is it? How's it formed? Uh, what are its building blocks? Uh, what makes us who we are? And what makes us act the way we act? Uh, I, but the technology is still not ready for that. Of course, there, there, there's a lot of research going on in, in, in that area. But I think that for me, the ultimate question um, would be that one. You know, uh, what makes us us? Yeah. Uh, it's more like epistemologic than treatment-oriented. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but with regards to treatments, uh, uh, I don't know. I haven't thought that far in the future. Right. Um, I, I just want to take it step, step by step, mm -hmm. stay focused, and do incremental jumps. Definitely. Instead of making big leaps. So you're, so you're, you're. I, I have to ask uh, because now you've caught my attention. How, how much do we know about human consciousness in 2014? Do do we know where it is? Do we know how it's how it's formed? You already asked, you asked those questions, guys. But are you know? I'm, are there are there theories? Are we getting closer to figuring it out? Um, no, I don't think we're we're closer yeah, closer yet. Really? Uh, I think we are at least a couple of decades away. Uh, hopefully, uh, of getting to that point. Uh, for the moment, it's something that is not really understood. Uh, we're just developing the tools to, to, to look at the brain in real time at a, at a very deep molecular level. Mm -hmm. So I think that the big discoveries are coming in the, ne in the next couple of decades. Yeah, I, I think about the impacts to society this will, this will have. Because uh, I, you know, we have a, a such a broken system where we treat addicts like 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 criminals, and we treat you know people in, with mental diseases, and and we we what we we have them as homeless people, you know, perhaps with with in the future, perhaps with more knowledge, with perhaps with with better knowledge of what it is to be what it, it is to mean to be human what it is to what 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 it means to have a consciousness perhaps we will in the future uh shift the in the way we we treat each other um because yeah, we we're, we're carrying this big stigmata um from um even the middle ages and then um 
uh, I think if I'm not incorrect, at the end of the 18th century, uh, from the first, you know, make constitutions where it would, like what would be called crazy people in Nell's in uh, classification would be just tossed into these big places and and left there with like minimum minimal to no care. And that tradition is still alive today. Uh, there's a very big movement towards, you know, getting people out of asylums and big mental institutions and move them out to the communities to live in, in, you know, in group homes or even in facilities that are smaller and more home-like. So uh, there's a lot of effort being put, especially in developed countries. Uh, I worked for, for almost four years for Deborah Foundation in Pennsylvania. And you can see this, you know, people trying to move people away from big asylums and moving them into, into an environment where the person could have the, the life that is, the, the, you know, the best they could, you know, living like you and I, because that's what they are, another you and I. Yeah. And I think that it takes a lot of, you know, changing public perception. It takes a lot of education since early childhood. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that we're moving in the right direction. Uh, we have a very big backpack historically that we're carrying uh, in, in, in this field of study. Uh, but there are a lot of good things being made right now that they're aiming to, to, to people who, who suffer from mental ailments to, you know, to, to have a, a life like the would serve. I let's let's follow me down the rabbit hole. Do you think virtual reality um, could be used somehow with with people uh, with mental health patients? It, uh, again, we're in the rabbit hole, so I mean anything goes. Is it is it is there is is it is there a way to 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 use it effectively to? I mean, not he not cure them, oh. but but I don't know. Well, uh, let's think about one of the biggest problems that as a society, um, say that the U.S. is facing today, which is autism, uh, mm -hmm. uh, which has seen a spike in recent years. Uh, it's debatable why it has spiked. Uh, it's something that we don't fully understand yet. And I, I've thought about virtual reality and autism, but there's a lot of things that you have to, to think about before you even try. Um, you are, you know, exposing a person who has his or her brain wired yeah, differently uh, than us. Yeah. And you're exposing them to something that you think, with your perception of the world, that would help them say, like, uh, cross the street responsibly. So you mm -hmm. say, like, oh, you know what, I have... I've, this kid with autism, I would like to teach him how to cross the street in a safe environment. So while strapping onto a virtual reality set, headset, getting in there and see what happens. Or uh, I used to work with, with a guy um, who he, he loved Disney characters. Every person in his life was a Disney character. I was a Manhattan, for instance. <laughs> And he and sometimes he would not communicate with people at all or, or with his teachers. And it was because like he maybe wasn't interested. And you think, what if that teacher can embody, uh, say, Beast or I don't know, uh, Aladdin, and interact with the kid? Uh, 
you know, he would be in that perfect world where everything's Disney. Uh, he would interact with the teacher, uh, whom he is seeing as Aladdin. But then you think about it, and you're like, okay, but what if it has the it backfires, and the, the guy never wants to get out of there? Then you have a problem because you won't be able to separate him from your headset unless you risk a tantrum or you know his his cognitive ability is degraded. So. Um, it's a very thorny path. Yeah. And we have to tread really, really carefully. Uh, some some of the, uh, of, of the kids with autism don't even like to be touched, and you're expecting them to put a mask on their faces. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, a, it's complicated. Thank you and for... Yeah. It, Thank you for enlightening me, enlightening me about about this. This is the, what a fascinating uh, in, insight that you have on, on this, huh? Interesting. You, go ahead. No, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, so so that's yeah, and, and you're 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 perf you're a hundred percent right. I think you know here we are trying to tell people the way we see the world is is the way you should too, or or, or you know. And that's so fascinating, huh? And at this point in in human history, how much do you think we we've mapped, or do you think we know about like, in terms of percentage, you know, do, do we know only two percent about the brain, three percent about the brain? How much do you think you know, guesstimated? Do you, do you think we know about about the human brain? Well, I think that we can't know what we don't know, so uh. that would be a difficult estimation. But at the same time. Uh, we've grown up with that notion that the, the, the human being uses, I don't know, 2%, 8% of their brains. Uh, and it's just not true. Uh, it's not that, you know, the, the, their compartments and 95 of them are close to us and we just inhabit, you know, just that little room of our brains and the rest of it is just, you know, uh, chests with treasure. Uh, <laughs> The thing is that our, our brain is active all the time. It's alive. Uh, it's part of us. It's firing. It's doing its things all of the time. Um, of course, we don't know if we've reached the limit of our cognitive abilities, or we may continue evolving. Our brain may change, like our neocortex. Cortex. It's something very new. We didn't have it a couple million years ago. Uh, and that's what gave us, you know, the, our superior cognitive, cognitive functions. Uh, so who knows? Maybe we'll we'll evolve. Functions will change. Will be optimized. Uh, other functions could be incorporated based on the needs of our environments. Let's say we are living in space. Well, you know, you might need some some different kind of wiring to live in that type of environment. So uh, I don't know if we use. 5, 20, 35% of our brains, I think that we are using all of it. Otherwise, it would be dead meat and it would rot. Mm -hmm. So it's there and it's working. Um, if we've reached the, the limit, I don't know. But again, we can't know what we don't know, right? Indeed. Is it po again in that in that same tangent? Is it possible? Do you think if if, if assuming we have reached our cognitive ability, do you think it's possible as a psychologist to 
augment our brain to to you know like a hard drive let's 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 put that motherfucker to overdrive is it possible to you know to will be will we see that in our in our, in our lifetime you know humans that are walking around that are 10 times you know cognitively smarter than me uh because they have a microchip implant inside their brain or you know or is this or is this something that we don't have to worry about or shouldn't think about some recent developments where people who have who have not been able to see uh, have been you know given a, a, a bionic uh, prosthesis that in some way replaces uh, their eyesight they won't be able to see like you and I but they would have a true representation of the real world lines or doppler echoes uh, to let them at least see something a la, you know Jordi LaForge in Star Trek mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, the, every day on the streets you see people with ear augmentations, like they, they can't hear, well, they have a device in their cochlea that, you know, is connected, there's a subcutaneal uh, chip there that when connected to, to, to a gadget outside, lets them hear. Um, like, in that regard, there are cyborgs around us already. Mm -hmm. uh, but if we could, you know, like, okay, increase our hard drive memory in our brains, if we could, you know, get eagle-eyed, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, like, I think almost everything is possible, so... Yeah. Uh, what about... Even though we'll see it. Yeah. What about, what about stem cells? Because is it... So is it if someone has for a, a trauma in their brain if if someone has a, 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 a massive phobia is it because there is a part of their brain that is that is missing something that is that is that is missing tissue that is missing neurons um or or is it I mean I am completely a fish out of my water in this field but could stem cell research or you know injecting stem cells back into this brain uh, you know, give it give it back some some kick, or are we uh, speculating here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're a little like all over the place. Yeah, we um, are. <laughs> uh, like, you know, for instance, like phobias are not generated by traumatic brain injuries. That's like physiological damage. Nice. And when we speak of trauma in psychology, we we, we mean you know an experience that has. Has imprinted a moment or an experience in your brain, and then conditions your normal operations. Mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, in, in computer terms. Um, but um, and regarding stem cells, um, I'm aware of the research that has been going on, but specifically uh, related to this, I have no idea. <laughs> okay. One last question in this weird tangent. What about memory deletion? Um, with 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 the ability to, well, you know, I think eventually we'll just get to that point where we'll be able to, you know, pick and choose what memories we want to have. What what? We're already able to do that in mice. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> that's that's really crazy. <laughs> so, what do you think that will do to psychology? Uh, well, that's. It could be dangerous too, and um, should be handled with the ultimate care. Um, you know, if you have some type of trauma, if you have any type of 
of, of mental health issue. Um, there's so much you can do with pills right now, today. Yeah. And even if you get someone cured, the uh, thing is that if you can delete memories, it will change you. Because in some way you are, because of the experiences you had of those cars you spoken before yeah and if i take that away from you just like that it's gonna leave a really really big hole in your mind and your mind is gonna try to fill it up with something and that something might not be the right stuff to fill it up you know what i mean yeah oh so i might have false memories uh my brain will come up with false memories or, or we'll try to you know, but mend together a memory from another place, a memory from another place. Boom! Here, we'll you know we'll, we fill, we filled in the gap from somewhere else. Yeah, or or it may even be a black hole in your memory. You know, mm -hmm. big black hole and devoid of meaning in yeah. your consciousness, and that makes a lot of noise, and it's one cause for depression. You know, those holes where you can look into them. Uh, no, but I don't know. It's something that should should be like taken with a lot of care. Built uh, to erase memories, we'll have them, of course, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, definitely. What 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 motivated you from the very beginning to be to be a part of this, to be part of psychology, to try to understand consciousness? I'm a curious person. <laughs> I'm a very curious person, and I'm absorbing information. Every second I'm awake. Uh, yeah, the only moments when I'm not doing it is when I'm playing soccer. Nice. Uh, but, but yeah, I'm really curious, and I think that you know who we are and why we do what we do was a was a question that I always you know wanted, wanted to, to to find an answer to or read about it. You know, I'm not to, to discover it myself, of course. Uh, but no, just curiosity uh, to, to know who we are. You know where we come from and where we are going. Uh, not just, just as individuals, but uh, also as society and civilization, you know, from the microscopic to the macro. Definitely. Yeah, I, I'm fat. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in that same vein with you. I, every moment of my existence, I, I need to be, I, I call it the greatest addiction. I'm addicted to information. Um, I, I and I think yeah every moment that I can I'm trying to consume or get in knowledge about something or in, you know enhance my 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 knowledge of something else it's it's yeah and and what about that question I mean who we are 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 we will we ever get close to that uh, answering that that fundamental question I, I mean because I, I, I hope not. yeah the more we find find it we start question so now no, no, no endings are good <laughs> spice knife must flow <laughs> <laughs> what about the ability to peek inside people's brains uh, I saw some some in Berkeley. They're using this 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 research where they have this algorithm based on thousands and thousands of YouTube videos, and people will uh, will think of a movie or an elephant, and and somehow the 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 algorithm is able to piece together a smudge of images that look somewhat of an elephant. Uh, do you think uh, having that ability will will all of a sudden enhance us, or what, what impact do you think that might have? 
Uh, well, that's actually out of my realm. Uh, not very well birthed. Actually, I, I haven't heard about that, that Berkeley study that you were mentioning, so uh, I'm afraid I'm off the beaten path here. <laughs> okay, no worries. But uh, perhaps on off, uh, if you are, uh, uh, please uh, take take a, a, a leap of faith with me. Uh, what, sure. Being able to uh, being able to see inside someone's mind is that is that something you know that that could be used in psychology? Like, uh, I have ethical concerns about it. Right. You know, your mind is your mind. It's your privacy. And you decide, you know, what to share with whom. That's right. one of the reasons why you go to therapies and choose that person to tell what you want to tell that person. Uh, so, no, I think that speaking inside of people's brains, the therapy is just too invasive and, you know, uh, it, it would almost be like a human rights violation, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, that is, that, talking about privacy, that is the ultimate, I think that is the ultimate privacy violation. <laughs> Like yeah, watch me take a shower, watch me in the toilet, but please do not go inside my head. That is that is where I draw the line. Huh? This is yeah. This is a, this is a very fascinating conversation. I, I I really I mean I have a million more questions to ask you because I here psychology is feels like will go hand in hand with virtual reality. Um, are there are there other uh, software companies that you are aware of that are doing uh, psychology or medicine themselves? Uh... Um, well, uh, there's a company in the United States uh, called uh, Virtually Better. Mm -hmm. I think that they are using the software developed by uh, Steve Rizzo's team, if I'm not wrong, uh, from the uh, you know USC team in California. Nice. Uh, there's also um, uh, a lady, the doctor, Cristina Botella, uh, she's in Spain. Uh, she, she's an eminence. She, she's one of the, the most renowned uh, psychologists who are in the virtual reality arena. Nice. And, but then, uh, with regards to uh, soft, software, uh, no, I can't serve anyone going out to market. I know there are some guys working in Spain uh, uh, with something similar to what we're doing, but they haven't uh, published anything yet or they haven't shown anything. So I don't really know what they're up to. But um, yeah, there must be at least one or two more people doing it, but they just haven't gone public yet. Nice. So we're starting the gear into a, a close of the show. I, I, you know, this has been an amazing conversation. I want to know more about, you know, how can people follow you? How can people stay in touch? You know, any updates that, you know, we should look forward to in the future? Uh, when can people tr start trying out, you know, a, a small demo perhaps of, of this, uh, uh, of Amber? What, well, uh, we've been sending uh, our latest build to uh, some developers and psychologists, also to some, some people who are presenting them to their classes in university. Um, we've also got in touch with someone who's doing research in crowd dynamics, who could give us a great hand with something that we want to do with Amber. Well, I can't say anything else about it. <laughs> Um, and then in terms of announcements, we're not ready yet to announce it, but we're working on a mobile application, uh, it's not for VR, uh, but that we also hope we'll, we'll be able to help a lot of people, and the announcement is coming, coming soon. Uh, we are, are also planning uh, um, an Indiegogo campaign uh, to 
find the second phase of development for Amber um, in Q1 of this year. And uh, the idea is to hand out Amber to um, the crowdfunding backers and then start a, you know, a beta test program. Um, what else? Um, if, well, if you, you know, want to get in touch with us, uh, you can contact us through our website, which is psychologicaltechnologies.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter at SciTechVR. And we also have a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash SciTechVR. So those are the best means, you know, to, to be informed or to get in touch with us. We don't leave any email unresponded. Okay, awesome. Well, Fernando Darnagol, it has been an amazing time speaking with you. I'd love to have you back again and, and you know, take you down the rabbit hole one more time. Um, you, Yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I really appreciate your time. Okay, Chris, thank you so much for having me. Um, great job you're doing, guys, uh, with the site. Uh, keep on going. Uh, you're a really important part of this puzzle. Um, and I'm available whenever you need me. It'd be a pleasure to, to talk to you again, uh, definitely.